0: i'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher are you ready let's dive in well hello hello and welcome back to the resource room podcast today we are going to be talking all about assessments as with all of the episodes in this series I had sent an email to everybody on my email list and said, what is the number one thing that is stressing you out? And asked teachers to kind of fill in that blank. And I took the things that I felt I could help with and assessments happened to be one of them that stressed out a lot of teachers. And I 100% get it because it is a critical piece. It is like step number one of what we need to kind of carry out the rest of our job, but oftentimes we don't have any time built into our schedule to assess students. Assessments are important for a lot of reasons. Um, The first of which being it helps you identify what IEP goals your students are going to need to work on over the course of the year with you. It also helps you write a really good present level of performance. We have all received IEPs where the present level of performance is like two whole sentences and you're like, "Mm, gee, thanks. They scored a blah, blah, blah on whatever test. I don't know what that means. It helps when we have good assessment data that we can start breaking down and saying, okay, this student knows this, they're good on that. They do not know how to do this on their own. This is what we need to work on. So if that child does move, The next teacher isn't going to be like, good God, Amanda Wilp, I don't even know what this child can or cannot do. Hopefully, when people read IEPs from me, they're like, okay, they know how to read CBC words. They know how to read beginning blends. They're struggling a bit with ending blends. They kick butt at sight words. They're able to read pre-primer, primer. They're working on first grade. I now know that I'm going to start working on ending blends and we're going to be working on those first grade sight words. In math, that student kicks butt, is an average or above average student, is able to solve things independently, but they do need help reading their math test or they do need help working on IXL if they're doing grade level standards because it doesn't read out loud to them or whatever because it is well written and it's all there. And what I'm really loving a lot with some quick assessments that I'm giving to my students, I have had them for so many years now, I can then go back and be like, this is what they were doing last year, this is what they're doing now. Look at the growth, look at the progress. And then we can celebrate how far we've come, which in my mind just sets more of a positive tone. I also, in last week's episode where we were talking about parents, I expressed that I feel one thing that we can do as special education teachers to make sure we have good relationships with our parents is to make sure that we have well described their child. We can tell their strengths, their weaknesses, a funny story here or there. We can describe what strategies do they have or do they not have when it comes to decoding a word, do they try to decode every word, even though some of those high frequency words maybe they really shouldn't? Do they try to read everything by sight? You know, when we can describe what they do, we instantly build some credibility with our parents. So I think it is vital to make sure we can describe their child because we have done some really good assessments. So, what does that look like for you in your classroom? Here's what I recommend. Um, I have some printables that I'm going to include in the show notes, but you could also just do this with a scrap piece of paper. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. With this, get a piece of paper or the printable that I include, and I want you to look at your grade levels and break down kind of the big mama skills that you think are important for mastery in your given grade levels. For example, I've already told you in previous episodes, this year I'm only in fourth, But the majority of my time has been kindergarten to third grade. So when I did this, initially, I looked at kindergarten. And it's like, what things do I want my kindergartners to know to do? Obviously, I want them to master every grade level skill and be able to do every single thing. However, if they're in special education, they may not be able to do all those things. So if they could leave kindergarten knowing their letter identification, produce letter sounds, write their name, thinking more of math then if they could verbally count, if they could identify numbers, if they could write those numbers like count here five objects and then write those, if they could just write the numbers from memory, you know, all those things. You can start to think what would you love for your kindergartners to be able to do. Okay, think about first grade. What would you love for your first graders to be able to do? and just start thinking of maybe the decoding, the sight word, the reading comprehension, the fluency side of things. Then in math, maybe think about like numbers and counting and things like that. What would you like them to be able to do? Place value, algebraic thinking, shapes, you know, whatever you deem is the most important for that particular grade level. Obviously we want them to know and be able to do every single standard, but is that realistic for some of our special education students? We can certainly strive for it, but if we only have the time or it's going to take us one whole year to teach a handful of skills, what are the big mamas? What are the most important things? Write that down on your list then for me, what could my second graders, what do I want them to be able to do? My third graders, this year, my fourth graders, what are my goals for them so that I know like, if you learn nothing else for me, you're going to learn to decode a word. What type of word would that be for that grade level? It might vary. If you learn nothing else for me, We're going to work on addition facts, subtraction facts. You're going to understand how the fact family works. Or you're going to be able to do two or three digit addition or subtraction with regrouping. Whatever the grade level. I want you to make a list of that and kind of put them in order from the easiest or the most basic all the way to the more complex and the more difficult. From there then, you have to start looking at what assessments do you already have that measure those things. For example, if your school uses something like ESGI, there are tons of assessments that are already made that might already have some or all of the skills that you have listed on your piece of paper. Maybe you use iReady. And there's a report that could spit out the exact information that you need. Uh, Several years ago, we used NWEA. And um, I wish I had known this longer in my time where we actually had that. But you can assign specific tests for certain things like segmenting words, which words have the same beginning sound, which words have the same ending, identify these letters, you know, all those kinds of things, there were specific tests that I could assign to individual students. So progress monitoring, you could use that or you could assess them and get that information just by assigning a test on NWEA. What things do you already have in place or maybe with some nosing around on your assessment program, what could you figure out like, hey, I don't have to do anything other than assign it and I can get that information or that data. That can be extremely helpful in saving you time, saving you money, you're not going and buying or making things. Instead, you're just using the tools that either you are already paying for or your school district is already paying for so step number two there you are going to be taking here's my list what things can you cross off that list and say hey i already have this i already have that no need to look any further next you're going to start looking at the things that are not crossed out on your list and this is the more time consuming part This is the part that requires maybe a little more work or effort on your part as you scour the internet for all the things. But start looking at, okay, here's what's left. I don't have anything that accurately, you know, is going to assess, can they read 10 CVC words? Can they add three digit by three digit addition problems? You know, whatever it is. Whatever's left on your list, you're going to go seek out some assessments for yourself. Maybe you open up a Google Doc and you slap some words on that and print it out and that's your assessment. Maybe you go to mathaids.com and find a few worksheets that you print out and that's going to be your assessment. Maybe you log on to TPT and you find a few things that are for first grade, second grade, third grade, whatever specifically, and you find some of those things so that now you have an idea of if I get a new student or if I am holding an annual conference and I need to be able to write a good present level, what am I assessing the child on? What am I going to see if they can or cannot do? Here it is. You have it all because you have just found assessments for the desired kind of most important skills that you want your students to have. All right, my friends, mid-episode confession here. Um, I have been recording this whole episode with this little button that I always check. It says automatic level control. And I just realized I didn't click it this time. So I apologize if for 12 minutes I've been like yelling in your ear or whispering in your ear but i just pressed the button and so hopefully it's all good hopefully you don't even notice other than me breaking into this episode to tell you that but anyway let's get back to it did that sound like i was getting ready to throw a commercial in there that's what i thought but anyway it's not no commercials here okay so the last step of kind of gathering these assessments is to then organize them in a way that's actually going to work for you. So maybe that's taking this hodgepodge of things that you have, putting them in some sheet protectors and organizing them in a binder. Maybe you don't want a binder, maybe you'd rather have, this is what I used for years and years and years. I had a little tub, it was actually um, for ice in your freezer Um, but you could buy them really cheap online, so that's what I did. I used my Silhouette Cameo to cut out the words progress monitoring and stuck it to it. And then I used file folders to have like, okay, here are 30 copies of this particular assessment, 30 copies of this one, 30 of this. It was something that other teachers, other special ed teachers that I worked with would come and grab every now and again, or my instructional assistant would make copies for me at that time. There were options out there. What are you going to do so that you have them all available at your fingertips? That to me is the important part. After doing that for quite a while, I I mean, it was fine, it worked. However, I felt like, man, you know, sometimes I would almost like a handful of pages or a handful of assessments all on one page. That way I'm not like, okay, well you did really good with this, now let me go to the next piece. Oh, you did really good with that, let me go to the next piece let me dig in my binder let me dig here and so then i did eventually create um what at that time i called my new student assessment so if i was getting a new student maybe they were a move-in maybe it was an initial or a re i was getting a new student i knew nothing about them how could i kind of figure out what goals to work on And so I put it all on one page. I'm going to share that in the show notes if that is something that you want to look at. To be completely honest, though, if you do not teach elementary special ed, it is not going to be valuable for you. Or it might if you teach something more like a life skills in an upper, you know, like middle or high school level. Um, But it is designed for... Letters and sounds, decoding, sight words, math facts, addition and subtraction, multiplication, that kind of thing. It gives you a very good idea of where those students are. What I am saying, though, even if you teach middle school, even if you teach high school, I would recommend that you take a look at it. Don't buy it because it is totally for elementary But it could give you an idea of, oh, so if I just put like one or two problems of each of this kind, or a handful of words of that kind, or ask them to read this passage and answer some questions, okay, that would give me a really good indication of where they are, what they can do, what can they not do. And if you do happen to be in those lower grades, then I've done a lot of the work that I've described here for you. And maybe the things on my list don't match your list. And that's okay. No harm, no hurt feelings here. But it's there if you need or if you want that. So I'll link that in the show notes. In next week's episode, we'll be talking about case conferences, kind of what you can do to get organized, to be prepared, to be ready. All of the things that come with case conferences because we know That is a big source of stress for special education teachers. So until then, I want you to have a great week and I'll see you here next week. Same time, same place. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us search the resource room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.